0: I just want to pick up where Clay left off. We began a series of messages last week entitled, Rejoice! As we go through this Advent season and and Christmas, this season is just really, just as Steve said, a a celebration uh, time for uh, the birth of Jesus. We as believers and followers of Christ especially celebrate the birth of uh, our Savior. And and, uh, so in the next couple of weeks as we lead up to Christmas, we're just going to walk through um, Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. We're going to look at these different perspectives because what Luke does here is he, he really shows rejoicing. From all of these uh, different perspectives, and and really kind of in a very nondescript way, he, he talks about how there is rejoicing over all of creation, uh, over the birth of Jesus, and really looking at it, there's this convergence. If you will of rejoicing there's there's rejoicing upon the earth as we'll look about this morning from the perspective of the shepherds And then there is uh, rejoicing in the city of bethlehem that we'll look at next week And then there's this rejoicing from heaven as we look at the angels that god sent to proclaim this message And when we we really uh, look at all of the rejoicing that is recorded in the scripture it, it surrounds the birth of jesus the the promised one who is the messiah and so it would just seem to re- be reasonable for us then, as followers of Jesus, that this is, should also be a season of rejoicing. For us, I was, I was struck with this thought in the, in the middle of our, our early worship time this morning that, you know, there are some of you guys that are here this morning that you're in a really dark place and you wonder can I rejoice in the midst of this sorrow or this sadness or, uh, you know, this shame or uh, this fear? And the, the simple answer to that question is, is yes. And so my hope is that, that through this morning and over the next couple of weeks that God is able to fan into flame that spark of joy that he has planted in your heart through the Holy Spirit uh, because of the salvation of Jesus Christ that's, that's in your life. And, and so just over the past couple of weeks in my own Bible study time, my own quiet time, uh, God has brought this verse to mind and really just something that I needed to hear from the Lord. Like, have you ever just heard something from God and go, man, God, I needed that? And so just over the past couple of weeks, I've been reflecting over something that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And that's just something that God has spoken into me, and I've been thinking on and, and practicing in my own life. And I thought, Lord, how timely for you to call me to rejoicing as we are leading our church through this season of rejoicing. And so uh, let's look at our passage for this morning, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Let me invite you to stand as you're able in honor of the reading of God's word together. And this is is what Luke records for us, beginning in verse 8. He says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Then the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together this morning. God, you are so good to us. God, your mercy and your grace, they know no bounds. Father, I thank you that you have called us into this place together, to gather as your church here. Father, we have come to be in your presence God we have come to worship we have come to uh, to learn from your word we have come to be moved by your Holy Spirit we have we have come together to be called and to be sent out to to be your messengers in this place and so father as we humbly bow before your word and and as we are here in the midst of your presence uh, by your Holy Spirit God we pray and ask that you would teach us now And Father, for those of us that are struggling, that are in those dark places, that are in those hard places that Debbie described, Lord, I pray that you would help us to find joy even in the midst of that hardship. God, remind us, Lord, that that tribulation and trouble and hardship are promised to us, but you remind us in John 16 33 that you are the one who has overcome the world. You have overcome those hardships. And so, Father, now in this this moment, would would you just fan into flame that spark of joy that is still flickering in the depths of our soul, Lord, that we would be made into a people who rejoice in who you are. Lord, help us to learn from the shepherds what that looks like today as we now submit ourselves to your teaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. And so, as we begin this morning, I just want to share with you four very simple things. Uh, from uh, some of the selected verses here in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20 and I really think the first thing that we need to learn this morning is that we need to learn to rejoice at the message of the Lord. Let us let us rejoice at the message of the Lord and so think about this with me. God proclaims this glorious message to an inglorious people. All right, now, now this is not a commentary on the low social standing or status of the shepherds, n- not at all. But when we say that, that God has made known this glorious message uh, and he has entrusted it to an inglorious people for its sharing, here's what we're saying. We're, we're saying that, and we are, we are really focusing on this expanse that exists between the holiness of God and the lowliness of man. God brings this glorious message of the birth of his son, and he entrusts it to us lowly folk, us, us common people. And so th- this, is, this is not a commentary on the lowliness of the shepherds, but really about the holiness of God. Think about this, that God entrusts the greatest of messages that is sent by his heavenly messengers, and he entrusts this greatest of messages to just common people, right? The, the shepherds, they, they, were, they were not low-class folks, all right? We, we like to think of them a lot of times as being the social outcasts of the day, but that's, that's not it a, at all. The, the shepherds were not low-class members of society. They were just regular folks, They were just blue-collar people. They were just hard-working people. And and so, and, and in trusting the announcement of the birth of his son to just regular people, God conveys this message that the message of Jesus, that Jesus the Christ, is for all people. Now, can you imagine? what was going through the mind and maybe even the mouths of these shepherds when an angel of the Lord uh, appeared to them, right? There was probably slack-jawed amazement and wonder. Like, they didn't even know what to say because of what was standing before them. But, But Luke makes it clear. It says that they were filled with great fear. Why in the world? Would the shepherds be afraid of an angel of the Lord? I mean, uh, you go to your Hallmark store and there are these sweet little cherubs that are wrapped in diapers with wings and little cute faces, right? That's, That's what the angel of the Lord looks like, right? These beautiful, cute little cherubic, you know, figurines. Who could be afraid of a sweet little baby angel like that? The problem is that's not what the angel of the Lord looked like at all. In fact, I'm going to destroy your image of angels this morning, but it's okay. See, the Scripture is very clear for us of what these angels may look like. If you go to Numbers chapter 22, you're going to read the story of a guy named Balaam. And Balaam was called upon to bring curses upon the nation of Israel. The problem was that every time that he went to speak a curse over the nation of Israel, uh, he blessed them. And so he's riding a donkey down this pathway, and every couple of feet, the donkey would just stop. And so Balaam, you know, being the rider, would get out and just whack the donkey, trying to make him go, you know, further and, and to keep moving. And after about the third instance of this, the donkey turns around and says, hey, cut that out, right, literally speaks to him. So, so kind of just as an aside, If you've been wondering about God calling you to preach, if God can speak through a donkey, He can speak through you. Okay, I'm proof positive of that. But here's the thing. The reason the donkey wouldn't go any further is because he saw an angel of the Lord, and it says that the angel was on the side of the road with his sword drawn. He was ready to decapitate, literally decapitate Balaam. And the donkey is protecting him. And so when we wonder why the shepherds were a little afraid of the angel, because there is this warrior with a sword strapped to his side that is standing there with a message from the Lord, I think he would be a little terrified as well. And, and so when we look at the word angel, it doesn't literally mean warrior. It actually means messenger. And how appropriate it is that God would use an angel from uh, his realm to come and deliver this message to the ones that would be then the messengers. And so, when we look at this message, it was very simple and straightforward. There's just a couple of things I want us to to, to point out and learn from this morning. The first thing that the angel says is this: Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so he's trying to reassure them, I am not here for your harm, but I am here for your good. And and so what we need to learn from that is that, one, we don't need to be afraid of the messengers of the Lord. But, But corollary to that, we don't need to be afraid of the message of the Lord either. I think what happens to us a lot of times is that fear paralyzes us. Uh, from being the messengers from, from uh, whom God's message is shared. We are, we are terrified uh, to be messengers of the Lord, and we are terrified of what that message can bring, even though it all, always brings hope. And so the angel just first says, look, don't be afraid. Second thing the angel says is, I've come bringing good news. And so for us who are, who are this side of the cross, listen, we have good news to share with all people. And so you think about this, good news helps you to overcome that fear, doesn't it? And so good news helps us to overcome fear because, look, we love to share good news. We love to do it, right? There are some of you, you found out that you're going to be a mom or a dad, and man, you just, I mean, you blasted it all over social media, right? There are some of you, found out you're going to be grandparents, and you're just over the moon excited, right? There are some of you who are grandparents now, and every time you get a new picture of your granddaughter or grandson, we all get the opportunity to see it, right? There are some of you that, that you are finally graduating. Hallelujah, right? Class of 2015, but I'm graduating now, right? Three victory laps, baby, and I'm out of here, right? You're excited about that because we love to share good news. But, but here's the other thing. We love to hear good news also, We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And, and, And so, listen, God has entrusted us to bring this message of good news to people. And so the third thing that we see from this message is this, is that this message of good news brings great joy. This message brings great joy. The message of Jesus' birth and the completed work of God's redemption brings great rejoicing. And so just follow this line of thinking with me. If if we really believe the gospel, right? If we really believe the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, that we can live with God in eternity and we can have our sins removed and we can live in perfect fellowship with God, again, I mean, if we really believe that message to be true, then it would seem reasonable that we would be people who are rejoicing. That means that, that when we look into churches, that the, that the churches would be filled with people who are rejoicing. But the problem is, when you look into churches today, you don't see people who are rejoicing at all. And so, have we then sucked the power out of the gospel? Because when people look into the church and they don't see us rejoicing over new life, but the truth remains that God's message of good news brings great joy. I will say this, that when Debbie shared that 27 uh, kids gave their life to Christ, that you guys applauded, but that was still pretty weak. Because it says that, that heaven rejoices over one sinner who professes their faith in Jesus Christ. We could do so much better at rejoicing over souls that are saved through the gospel. We can allow God's great joy to well up within us. And then I love this it says that I have come to bring a message of good news of great joy and it says that it's for all people all right this message that we proclaim is a message that's for all people so look at this God chose to deliver this heavenly message to regular folks just shepherds just normal hardworking, blue-collar people and then he entrusted those hard-working regular folks to spread the message of that news now look there's nothing special or spectacular about the shepherds, okay? They were not theologically trained. They, uh, they were not great communicators, okay? They, uh, they weren't even very influential in the city of Bethlehem. They, they were not influencers, but here's what sets them apart. They were available, Did you notice how it says that they were watching and they kept watch or they were awake? So when God shows up, they were the ones who were there to see it. Let me just speak this into you today. Do not fall asleep on the opportunity that God is laying before you to be his messenger. Instead, let us be found like the shepherds who are keeping watch, who are keeping awake, seeing where God is working and that we may join him in that work. And then the angel just simply gives them the message, the news, that Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, is born today in the city of David, that is Bethlehem. That the fulfillment of the promise is realized today. That the Savior, that the Messiah, that the Christ has come. And so let us rejoice at the message of the Lord. Verse 15 says that the angels went away. And and the shepherds, they kind of looked at each other and go, well, let's go check this thing out. And so what we learn in verses 15 through 17 simply is this, is that let us rejoice in the presence of the Lord. Let us rejoice in the presence of the Lord because it's one thing to hear a message and and to know a message, but it's something completely different to uh, do something or to act upon that message. And, And so the shepherds didn't just take what they had heard from the angel and go, ah, that's nice. Okay, I'm going to go back to watching my sheep now. That's, that's probably what we would have done. But that's not what they did. You see, they could have just simply done nothing. Or they could have followed their curiosity. See, I think initially the, the shepherds were curious about this news that they heard in Bethlehem. I mean, in Bethlehem of all places. I think they allowed their curiosity to lead them on this journey. Now, granted, they could have done nothing. They could have done what we do a lot of times, is that we hear a word from the Lord, and then we wait. Well, I'm kind of busy right now. Well, the shepherds could have said, it is dark, and there are some unscrupulous people wandering the streets of Bethlehem at this late hour. Maybe, perhaps, I should wait until it's daylight, and then I will go. See, that's what we do. We, we, we hear a word from the Lord and it, it wells up within us, but then we just never get around to doing it. You see, when we hear a word of the Lord, we don't respond immediately. And Here's what happens. When we wait, unfortunately, our waiting costs us seeing what God is up to and what God has in store for us. But that's not what the shepherds did either. Instead, they allowed their curiosity to lead them to obedience. They say, let us go and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. And so listen, when God makes you aware of something, you have to take action on it or you risk missing out on what God is up to. And so the thing about being obedient to the beckoning or the calling or the prompting uh, of the Lord is that that obedience is to be immediate. We can't just put it off. We've got to do it right there in that moment. And so notice that, that, the, that the shepherds don't dawdle along. They don't casually stroll from the hills of Bethlehem and make their way into the city. Uh, Luke says that they made haste, okay? They went quickly from where they were into the, the presence of the Christ because they were excited Okay, the, the one that they had heard about all of their lives, the Messiah, apparently he is now born in Bethlehem. And so they are making haste with excitement because they've heard this news and they're going to go see what it's all about. And so literally they are rushing into the presence of the Lord. There was excitement. They were exuberant, man. They were, there was expectation about what they were going to find when they see the baby swaddled in the manger. You see, let me ask you this. When you know that you're going to be in the presence of the Lord, do you rush to get there with excitement and expectation? Or do you just kind of dawdle along and go, you know what? It'll happen when I get there. Do you come into the presence of the Lord with the same excitement and expectation? that the shepherds did or is it that when we enter into the presence of the Lord we come in with the attitude of well Lord you better impress me with something today or are we so bold as to say Lord entertain me today put on a show for me today now the shepherds came as we should with excitement an exuberance, an expectation as they came into God's presence. And, and they, they come into the Lord's presence and they see, they see what they had been told. And they go and they share that word with, with those who were around them. You see, I, I know for a fact that when we spend any amount of time in God's presence, It is such an awesome thing that we cannot help but tell people to to tell others and to invite them into God's presence with us. Listen, the presence of God is so good that we don't want anyone else to miss out on it. We want them to enjoy it as well. And so here's the thing for us. Listen. We aren't inviting people to worship, to join us for worship. We aren't inviting people into the presence of the Lord because honestly, it's been a while since we've been there. We can't invite people to a place that we've never been. And so listen, I know that you're present here today. I can see you visibly, physically. But let me ask you, are you in the presence of the Lord? Because when we come together in the presence of God, it should should lead to such a rejoicing in the Lord that it cannot be contained in this place. Let us rejoice as we come into God's presence. And then look what happens. It says that the shepherds go out and they tell people. Verse 18 says, all who heard what the shepherds said, they wondered at these words. We've got to come to the point of rejoicing and sharing the Lord. Listen, the, the shepherds didn't just see what was told them and, and, and didn't just go on about their way. Man, they were so overwhelmed in the presence of God that they had to share with others what they had heard and what they had seen. So let me ask you this, when was the last time that you shared something with someone that you heard or saw from the Lord? When was the last time that you shared something with someone that you heard or saw from the Lord? Listen, you may have invited a friend to coffee and just said, I've got to, I've got to tell you these things. Maybe, maybe you put it out on Snapchat or, or Twitter, just something, maybe it was a picture of your Bible open with a nice cup of coffee there and your pen and your journal open and just to prompt people to say, what are you reading or studying? You know, maybe you put it out on Instagram or, or whatever, but listen, whatever the means of communication that you choose to to use, we must be communicating with others what we are experiencing in the presence of God. Because there's something that happens when we share with others what God is showing us, be that through prayer or through worship or through Bible study, be it personal or small group or, or, or large group or whatever. And So look what happens. The shepherds share about what they heard from the angel and what they saw when they looked upon the Lord. And the response of people was this, and they all wondered at what the shepherds had said. Now that word wondered is not like, hmm, I wonder what those guys What were they talking about? And it wasn't the kind of wondering going, man, I wonder what those guys have been smoking. The word wondered there literally means that they were amazed. It says, and they were amazed at what they had heard from the shepherds. And so look at this. The same reaction of the shepherds when they heard the message from the angels is the same reaction of the people when they heard from the shepherds. And so when we are amazed at what we hear and what we see from the Lord, and when we share that with excitement and exuberance, here's what happens. It leads others into the presence of God. Listen, we have lost our amazement and our wonder of God. And you go, well, pastor, how can you say that? Boy, I'm glad that you asked. You know how I can say that? Because I stand here every week and I look into your faces. And I do not see wonder and amazement in the presence of God. I see blank faces that are wondering, how much longer is this going to be? We've got to beat the Methodists to the restaurant i got more important things to do. My kids have this practice or that practice to go to. We have lost the wonder and amazement of being in the presence of God. You see, that's why you're not sharing with others what you've seen and heard in the presence of the Lord because it's been so long since you've been in the presence of the Lord. Look, we would rather share what we are doing. We, we would rather share what, what, our, what our church is doing. Can I just let you in on a little secret? No one cares. Here's what we should be sharing what the Lord is doing. Let us share what the Lord is doing. The shepherds shared because of what the Lord was doing. We don't, we don't do that because we become so self sufficient that we can do ministry and never involve or engage the Lord whatsoever. We've lost our awe and wonder of God because we've become too enamored with ourselves. But when we finally look up, when we finally take the attention off of ourselves and look to the Lord, he shows us the things that are truly worthy of sharing. And so let us rejoice in sharing the Lord with people. The last thing that I want to share just simply is, is comes out of verse 20. And it's this, <clears throat> let us rejoice in praising the Lord. So verse 20 says, and the shepherds returned. So they went back from the city of Bethlehem out to the hillsides where they were watching their sheep. And it says, as they were going, they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and and seen. Now listen, the, the highest level, the highest level of rejoicing that you can give is to praise the Lord. So think about when you think of all of the things that the shepherds have heard and seen in these past few hours that night. It makes perfect sense for them to go back from where they had come from, worshiping and praising God because they did not lose sight as to who was orchestrating all of the things that they had seen, okay? It says they were glorifying and praising who? Not Mary, not Joseph, not not the animals that were there, not the city officials of Bethlehem for providing these spectacular accommodations for the Messiah. It says they were glorifying and praising God. God. They understood where the source for everything was coming from. And so rejoicing just simply means glorifying God for what He has done. The shepherd realized that only God could do the things that they had seen and the things that they had heard. And so they were giving God the highest honor. All of their thoughts were consumed with the Lord, they were giving God credit. For everything that they had seen and they had heard, they were exalting the name of the Lord, lifting him above all things. It says they were also praising the Lord. They were recognizing and they were acknowledging with their minds and with their mouths all that God had done. Look, they praised the Lord that he sent the angel to them, they praised the Lord that, that God entrusted this message to, to them. They praise the, the, the Lord that, that God gives them this message of good news of great joy that's for all people. They praise the Lord that, that not only they heard this message, but that they responded to it. They praise the Lord that they had found things just as God said that they would be. They praise the Lord that they had seen the Messiah. They praise the Lord that the people responded to the message with wonder and amazement. And so when you think about it, We have so much to rejoice in the Lord over. Listen, I know that some of you are in dark places. You're there, I know, I've walked in those places. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a flicker of a flame of the Holy Spirit in your heart and God is longing to fan that into an inferno of rejoicing in your life. See, if we would just give more time and more attention and more energy to glorifying and praising the Lord, we would soon discover this joy and we would rejoice in him all the more. And so in this season, a season of rejoicing, as we read in Luke chapter 2, the narrative of Jesus' birth, we see that it is filled with rejoicing to the Lord. I want to exhort you today, be filled with the presence of God. Be filled with his joy. Rejoice in the things that you see God doing. Rejoice in the word that you hear from the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord that he has entrusted you with this message of good news, of great joy that is for all the people. And as Paul tells us in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, light times, dark times, heavy times, easy times. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again we say, rejoice.